Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm Justin Grasso. And I'm Kevin McCormick. And this is a podcast dedicated to covering the Philadelphia 76ers on the Believe Podcast Network. Kev, it is almost almost late August at this point. The Summer League is wrapped up. The Sixers finished the Summer League at 3-2. and two. We have to come on here and hold our L because the last <laughs> time we came on here, we're talking about how... Are the summer Sixers too good? Are they going to win the championship? Do they have an MVP on their squad? And they finished three and two. Now, when we said that they were two and zero, I personally don't think that we were overreacting at that time. The summer Sixers were too good because Tyrese Maxey was on the team. Obviously, I think the day after we put that out, Tyrese Maxey went back. He got cleared to go back to his hometown and host a basketball camp. So they lose their starting point guard. They lose the top scorer in the summer league at that time. So, I mean, we hold our L, but it wasn't that crazy, right? No, I don't think it was that crazy. And just to keep backtracking even more that that first game that they lost, you could see the rustiness and like the way that the team was playing, that they were so used to playing kind of through Maxi because he was just, to put it simply, was just doing everything in those first two games that he played. And like you said, was leading Vegas in scoring. So I think when you lose a guy who was dominating the ball so much and was kind of initiating everything and allowing everything to trickle down through him, that it took a little bit of a hit. So I agree. We'll take the L, but I'm not taking the full load because I think if he stays that whole time that they, they still do prevail and maybe go on, maybe go undefeated in Vegas. Not only that, it's like you lose Tyrese Maxey and you probably play the worst person or the worst team to play at that point. It was Boston. It just absolutely dominated, like just punched them in the mouth. I think that just made it worse. Just And the game started. There was so much. That was the night the game started late, too, because of uh, games earlier in the day going into overtime. So the game didn't start for like a half hour past the start time. And it's just never good to lose to the Celtics. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's summer league. So at the end of the day, I mean, there, there's good takeaways to to uh, come away with this. Tyrese Maxey, obviously, like we said, too good for the summer league, probably. Like it, he just debuted because he didn't have it last year. It's, it's reps. He's just, he's, he's better than the competition there. So we got that look. He kind of confirmed what we kind of already, uh, what we already knew, but Jaden Springer is somebody who everyone had their eyes on going into the summer league because he's the first round pick. So everyone always wants to see how the first round pick performs. We, uh, we kind of laughed about it, how after the first two games, everyone was already out on Jaden Springer. And then by the final game of the summer league, he finally looks like, okay, the Sixers might've gotten some great value at 28 there. Yeah, you got to love it when the guy hasn't even stepped on an official NBA court yet and they're already trying to write him off at 18 years old. I saw a bunch of people arguing on Twitter about trying to make comparisons to Jaden Springer and Zaire Smith. Uh, You can do whatever you want with that at that point. I'm not going to get too much into it. But, you know, I thought Jaden Springer looked great. I thought he showed very nice flashes. And it's just one of those, he's 18 years old. You really don't know what he's going to look like for another two to three years take the flashes for what they are. And when he doesn't look great, 
understand that they drafted him with the anticipation that he was going to be a project. This isn't like, you know, drafting a guy like Kate Cunningham or Jalen Green who are near the same age, but and at the top of the draft, their games are much more developed and polished. So I thought Springer looked great defensively. And I will say, I think with each passing game, he looked a lot more comfortable and we saw a little bit more and more of, you know, kind of his offensive arsenal. And then, like you said, that last game, he really showed out with that extended opportunity. So all in all, I thought Jaden Springer put together a very nice summer league. All right. I mean, I know it's a tall task to ask for for Philly fans to not write off a young player <laughs> so early, but come on, he's 18. Yeah. He just had he just played during a strange NCAA season. Like just like he was a star before that. He's yeah. gonna come in and and like you said, he's the 28th pick. Like he's a late round pick. So to, to start making the Zaire Smith comparison already, it just, it, it doesn't make any sense, but it, it wasn't all great, obviously from the summer league, um, Isaiah Joe, who looked really good in the first, I guess, three games. He didn't really look good in the fourth game, but things went from bad to worse. Fourth quarter comes around. He goes down with an injury. What were you thinking when you saw uh, Joe go down with that injury? I was a little sad, upset, you know, kind of just frustrated because like you said, he looked so good to start the summer league. He was one of the biggest standouts and it's one of those, you just kind of, you feel bad for him. You know, it it was clear that he put a lot of work in, in the off season. It was somebody who didn't get much opportunity in year one. And, you know, looking at how he was playing in Vegas, you'd think this is a guy that might've a chance to compete for a rotation spot heading in the training camp. And, you know, now with this MCL injury, he'll have to, you know, rehab and go through all that. So it feels like that opportunity that was there now won't be on the table. So you just kind of feel bad for the young guy that's still kind of just getting his foot going or getting his foot in the door in the NBA and working into a rotation. Right. And I mean, at least it's it's fortunate that it's an MCL injury that's just mild or is described as mild by the team. Now we know who we're dealing with here, <laughs> medical staff. We don't know how, <laughs> again, it was one of those, he'll be evaluated when he's back in Philly, you know, what, yeah. what that means Nobody knows except for the people behind the scenes there. But um, yeah, obviously you wish, you wish the best for him. He was, he was having himself a solid summer. I thought he had flashes last year during the, uh, the regular season. He looked good in the G league bubble. So, I mean, listen, when, when is training camp is late September, right? Yeah, 28th, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got plenty of time. It's only August 20th. So he, he should be back on the court. I would assume. But like I said, I'm not, (laughs) I am no doctor and I am not in the Sixers medical staff. So who knows, but I would think he's back by training camp and he should be fighting for a spot in the rotation. Someone who probably won't get that opportunity to try and do that. He was just waived this week. Rajon Tucker, who a lot of Sixers fans have grown to to like over the past year as he was a a two-way player last year, Uh, looked solid in the bubble and then um, kind of he had a decent, decent summer league, but looks like he's not in the Sixers plans at all. Yeah, I agree that he he looked all right in Vegas. He kind of disappointed me a little bit. Kind of when you look at the Tyrese Maxis, the Paul Reeds, the Isaiah Joes, guys who had previous NBA experience kind of showed out a little more in the summer league. And Rajon Tucker didn't necessarily do that, you know. He was a fan favorite, obviously, for his just jump out of the gym ability. You know, the the dunk shows he would put on and warm-ups were great. But, listen, looking at it from a whole, I think Grant Riller is a much more enticing prospect 
Ben Rajon Tucker and has a chance to potentially be a guy here. So I sad to see Tucker go, but I'm very excited for what Riller could be in Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what anyone thought um, Rajon Tucker was going to bring to the table realistically from like the actual mm-hmm. rotation. <laughs> like yeah. he he plays guard, and I mean, really, his dunking is like his best yeah. thing. So I, you know, they need three point shooters and it's just the depth there is just way too much. Like you're not, Ray John Tucker is not getting minutes over a guy like Isaiah Joe. And we don't even know if Isaiah Joe gets minutes. So it's just one of those things where it's just too crowded, kind of bringing a younger guy to, to try and, and I guess develop with the team. Like you said, Grant Riller is who the Sixers are eyeing up. They're planning to sign him to a two way deal at the end of the month. I don't know, you know, last year they kind of were interchanging the two-way spots. I think it was, who was it? it was Mason Jones at one point. Dakota uh, Mathias. Dakota Mathias, yeah, hero. Yeah, hero, hero Dakota, Dakota Mathias. So, yes, I mean, I, I'd expect it to be Aaron Henry and Grant Riller at the beginning of training camp. Whether that changes or not, who really knows? Um, but I, I'd say we probably saw the last of Ray John Tucker in Philly, um, which is unfortunate because that's someone who wanted to do the dunk contest. So it would have been cool to kind of see a sixer in the dunk mm-hmm. contest, maybe kind of bring it home since they tried to rob Andre Godala of it yeah. so long ago. Uh, but when that whole situation with Ray John Tucker getting waived, you went to Twitter and you said that you thought the two way slot was for Charles Bassey. And then you <laughs> pretty much immediately said, yeah. okay, I'm wrong <laughs> or not. I think that's what you said or not yeah, or not <laughs> or um... not. So we've been talking about this and we're just like completely confused. What is going on with this Charles Bassey situation? Are the Sixers keeping him? Are they not? They already introduced him as a member of the team after draft night. They acquired that pick. It's they spent money to acquire that pick. Yeah. So you already bought Charles Bassey essentially. <laughs> so, why is this guy not playing? Like he misses the summer league. So it's kind of like, what happens now with Charles Bassey? Yeah, this is such a bizarre situation for a guy draft. Like I, like I said, the last spot, it's such a bizarre situation for someone he drafted with the 53rd overall pick. I know, I believe it was uh, Kyle Newbeck that was reporting that they're working out the schematics of his deal of it being a one-year deal or a multi-year deal. I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, Charles Bassey is in the war room trying to get himself a max deal, and Daryl Morey is just not budging, which is why it's August and one of the second-round picks still aren't signed. But like you said, the way they've introduced him, we've already spoken to him through media availabilities. It feels like he's going to be here, but it's just such a, a bizarre situation that's still dragging on as we're, what, six weeks away from training camp? Yeah, it's just I think the most unfortunate part, like I get it. I get what the situation is. Don't play mm-hmm. until you're locked into a deal because then yeah. you risk injury and, you know, you have nothing protecting you. But it's just so unfortunate that they just had five games in Vegas where, you know, last year rookies didn't even have that opportunity. And like that was unfortunate. Now you have the opportunity, but you're not able to maximize the opportunity because you don't have this deal and it's a argument over, should it be one year or multi years? You know, I, I don't get it. Are, are they trying to do the same hinky special or something? Yeah, with that, Charles Bassey. That's honestly what I've been thinking is that the Daryl Morey is trying to use the hinky special on Bassey and his representatives just aren't budging on it. It's gotta be like it. There's yeah. no way they're just like, 
no, you, you shouldn't sign an NBA deal right now when you're the 53rd pick of the NBA draft. Yeah, it, it doesn't make much sense. And even like you said, they spent $2 million to acquire that pick. So if you let him walk, you essentially use that money for nothing, essentially. Yeah, it's 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 definitely strange. And then there was obviously the issue of, well, you already got rid of a two-way spot. So there's a, we're still a full, we're at a full roster here. So what did the Sixers do? And then it comes out that Anthony Tolliver is currently not in the Sixers plans. Well, wait, don't they still have one open don't they have one open spot right now as is? They could they could I have to look at it though. But that that was just kind of the you know the debate there where it's how do you mm-hmm. bring on Charles Bassey? And then well, Anthony Tolliver's not in the team's plans. So we have to do we have to do a count here, but I'm not gonna do that <laughs> while we're recording this. But Anthony Tolliver is apparently not on the Sixers plans. I was also sprinkled in there. And that's another situation that's kind of I mean, it's yeah. been strange. Well, you sign this guy to a 10 day, then you sign him to a second 10 day, then you signed him for the rest of last season, then you added an extra year. So it's kind of okay, so you're either gonna actually utilize Anthony Tolliver or just use that as leverage in it, you know, to sprinkle them into a trade. And now that we're talking, Anthony Tolliver might just get cut. Yeah. Not to mention they did all that to never play him. Anthony Tolliver yeah. probably played a total of 25 minutes on the court for the Sixers. It, it made no sense. Like you said, maybe they were trying to use him in a trade down the line. I think it, it's very like kind of head scratching to the George Hill situation too, that he was just kind of cut and not try to use in a different kind of way, like a trade or something. But yeah, I agree. You go through all that trouble for Anthony Tolliver. You never play him. And now, I mean, obviously it doesn't take an expert to say that he's not in the team's future plans. Cause he wasn't even the team's current plan. So that, that really isn't that kind of, you know, news breaking in any sense. Yeah. I almost think that, there was just a disconnect with Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers on that one where Daryl brings in Tolliver and, it, and Doc's just like, I'm not using this guy. Like, or it was <laughs> just like Mike Scott competition, but uh, I don't even know. Yeah. I, I'm Mike Scott it, showed absolutely nothing yeah, last year. And it's year. weird too, because Doc always talked about how he felt that the lineup got small at power forward when Tobias Harris came off the floor. Daryl tries to rectify that. I would assume that when Doc said it during his end of the year press conference, that it's something him and Daryl Morey talked about behind closed doors. So that's an avenue to try and rectify that situation. And you didn't even give it a chance. It wasn't even like uh, Anthony Tolliver had a couple stretches of games and just didn't look good. So they stopped playing him. I thought he looked all right in the chances that he gave. He showed the, those veteran, those high IQ plays. And I still think he's an upgrade over Mike Scott. That also isn't saying much. But, right. yeah, it, it just makes no sense that you sign this guy, you give him the extra year, and now it's just kind of like we're patiently waiting for the, the update that he's been waived. Yeah, there's been a serious disconnect between <laughs> Doc and Daryl now. Because, like you said, he's an uh, he was an upgrade over Mike Scott last year because Mike Scott, what was he horrible. was brought in to do was to just hit threes, and he's not in threes, bricking everything. So yeah, and he's, Anthony like, posting up in the mid-range, like, what? Mike yeah, Scott. so like Tolliver, I get wasn't like this sharpshooter, but like you said, he made high IQ plays. He looked solid on defense. He was just kind of out there commanding, yeah. you know, doing at what the right place at the right do. time. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, that's just one of those things where like Doc, 
just I don't I don't get it. And we'll we'll never understand that rotation that happened last year. Yeah. <laughs> even with the guards, the guards is like how many guards are you gonna bring out and how many times you're just not gonna give someone an opportunity to either A bounce back or B just get into a rhythm. So I don't know. Very weird. Hope uh hope they figure that out by next year or else they're gonna be in trouble. But going Wait, off you, of you that, don't want another 12 man rotation this season. <laughs> it's 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 funny like if if this was like comedy if we were writing and covering comedy then this is great but it, it this is we're not covering comedy we're covering sports so off the negative stuff let's stop let's stop the uh the negativity for right now and let's talk about the big news coming out of philly this week was the sixers extended joel Embiid. not surprising Obviously, this is someone who, ever since he got drafted, was just like the king of the Sixers organization, could pretty much just do whatever and ask for whatever, and he will get it. So we knew that he was eligible for the Supermax this summer, knew it was only a matter of time before he got it. He finally got it. Four years, $196 million, probably celebrated at the Jersey Shore. I mean, this guy couldn't be more Philly. And uh, the final year, which I just want to note real quick, is a player option. So a little interesting that he has a player option there at the final year. I mean, how many times does Joel Embiid have to say, I want to retire with the Sixers? But pretty crazy that Joel got that that extension, even though he has the injury history and all that. Not surprising, just kind of like, wow, he's made it this far in his career. Yeah, his career arc definitely is one of a kind just from, you know, picking up basketball so late, coming over to when he did, learning at his own pace. And now he's uh, an MVP runner up uh, signing a, a super max extension, not to mention negotiated that whole entire thing by himself. Joel Embiid yeah. is no longer rep by an agent. Well, so. well, 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 he had a uh, a consultant and oh, it was he did? Jimmy Butler's guy. Interesting. Funny how that yeah. works. Yeah, but listen, kinda. Joel Embiid didn't need a consultant in the room. He was playing tennis with Daryl Morey, what, a month ago? I mean, it's clear those two are tight. It's it's clear he's the face of the franchise. He's the end-all, be-all in terms of the Sixers right now. So, yeah, with the injury history and stuff, it's definitely a scary move, and it could be something that doesn't look great down the line, but something you have to give him right now. And it's also funny because – at the end of the regular season, when he became Supermax eligible, I feel like it was one of those storylines this offseason that was just kind of swept under the rug. It was actually something a couple of weeks ago I was kind of thinking like, hey, it's weird that we haven't heard anything on that front yet of Joel Embiid closing in on the Supermax, just with everything revolving around Ben Simmons and the trade rumors and, and the news just kind of pouring in that that Embiid storyline kind of just went by the wayside. But, you know, great move. I mean, what more can you say about Joel Embiid and what he's done for the city? And like you said, he said endless times he wants to retire here. So giving him that extension is almost a no brainer. Yeah. And that, that's why I think it, <clears throat> I guess it was swept under the rug. Like you said, because everyone knew he wasn't going anywhere when that, you know, original contract was up. He said it a million times, you know, I'm Sixers, Philly's my home and all that. So we all knew it was coming. You talk about Ben Simmons and um, we always, we always talk about this every week because at this point, nothing has changed. Ben Simmons is still a member of the Sixers. And as much as everybody just wants to see the guy traded again, Damian Lillard 
is doing nothing in Portland over there, like asking for a trade or anything. So Ben Simmons remains on the Sixers. Now it's being said that, well, training camp's inching closer. There's no traction on a real Ben Simmons deal. He could realistically be on the Sixers when training camp rolls around. And I mean, are you really surprised by that? Yes and no. It's kind of crazy that in today's player empowerment era of the NBA that a player who openly wants out is still, you know, through an entire offseason, still on the roster that he's requested out of. But listen, Ben Simmons has no leverage in this situation. He is locked up on a contract for four years, no opt-outs, no options. So he's stuck there. He is at the whim of Daryl Morey and the Sixers right now. And I think Daryl Morey is doing the right thing of remaining patient because the last thing you want to do is trade Ben Simmons for the sake of trading him for pennies on the dollar just to get a deal done and then a Damian Lillard become available and you lost your your biggest bargaining chip just because you jumped the gun too soon. So although it might be awkward, although it might ruffle some feathers, I, I think it's the right idea of carrying Ben Simmons into training camp, even if, you know, there's probably a good amount of deals out there, but I, I'm still in the camp of they shouldn't just trade him for the sake of getting it done. Yeah, like and like I've been saying since draft night when everyone heavily speculated – Oh, Ben, Ben could be gone by, by draft night. If Ben Simmons gets traded at this point, no one is going to be happy with the return that the Sixers get because they're just going to get, uh, I guess a slop of young guys who might have high upside and might be good, but they're not win now moves. They're not the star that you bring in and, and join that, uh, duo of Embiid and Harris. You're not getting that third star. And then the draft picks, like, obviously you have to wait for those. And then we're sitting here talking about Jaden Springer and people saying that he's not good enough right now. And it's like, but that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a yeah. bunch of Jaden Springer. So it's just like, you're no one's going to be happy from Philadelphia if the Sixers trade Ben Simmons at this point right now, because Damian Lillard looks like he's willing to stick it out with Portland I don't know how long that's going to last. Obviously, we know the Blazers aren't going to really make an imprint on the West this year because the West just gets healthier and the yeah. West is already a strong conference. So I don't know how long that's going to last, but Daryl Moore is just looking at that and saying, we'll wait, we'll wait it out. Yeah. And then here's the other thing is we really don't know how, how much Ben Simmons wants to be traded. Mm-hmm. Like, from the top reporters, it was kind of reported that he's open to a change of scenery. I don't really recall, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't recall too much of being like Ben Simmons wants a change of scenery. Yeah. It's more I, just open to it. Mm-hmm. The only thing that really points towards the the want is that the all the reports of him cutting off communication and the relationship with Doc and stuff. But I feel like that kind of stuff, it might be awkward at first, but I think the the professionalism could still win out and that that kind of stuff could be rectified. But yeah, I'm with you. It, it doesn't really feel like reading the tea leaves or such that he's kind of like demanding it and wants it and has no, I guess, desire to be the word of starting the season on the Sixers. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, the most important thing about all the issues or whatever everyone's talking about behind the scenes the Doc Rivers one is the most important one because obviously he's the head coach. That's someone he has to, you know, pretty much report to all the time. The whole Daryl, like with his relationship with Daryl Morey, 
I mean, did they even really have any type yeah. of relationship? Because when Daryl Morey got to Philly, it was Joel and B, Joel and B, Joel and B. Oh yeah, we have Ben Simmons too. And you never see Daryl and Ben playing tennis together or FaceTime. Face yeah, FaceTime. All of that. And I mean, let's be honest. Daryl almost yeah, he almost traded him. And knowing how Ben Simmons is, obviously, we speculate he's probably mad at Doc for saying the whole, I don't know if he can be a point guard on a championship winning team. You know, obviously, if that's something that Simmons gets mad about, then clearly he's going to be mad at a guy like Daryl Morey who tried to trade him for the first time in his career for James Harden. So, and then obviously we all, we've all heard the Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, they, you know, they're just coworkers and that's what it comes down to. And it is what it is. I mean, so it, it's not, it's probably not that awkward. If that, if uh, not Daryl, if Doc Rivers and Ben Simmons can sit down hash out whatever issues that they have, you can get through a month or two of basketball and then, you know, whatever happens later on down the line, assuming Damian Lillard doesn't enjoy his time in Portland and who knows Bradley Beal might not like what happens with DC too. Then we could see a blockbuster before the trade deadline. But right now I don't think, you know, I think there's definitely issues a little bit. I definitely think Simmons is probably not talking to Joel Embiid, probably not talking to Daryl Morey, but again, that's not something that that doesn't mean he can't, come back to Camden and, and go to training camp. Like they're not going to be like fist fighting on the court out here. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Sam Cassell can be the saving grace. He's one of the few people that's actually been able to, I harp on the Sam Cassell thing, man. I'm hey, sticking do. with it. <laughs> you do. I, but... I said to hide him in the mountains during the off season. So he didn't get hired. Luckily he survived, but who knows? Listen again, as crazy as it may sound, Sam Cassell's one of the few people that's, you know, really gotten to Ben Simmons. Ben has spoken highly of him all this season so maybe he can be the the mediator and kind of you know help save the relationship of ben simmons or at least keep it sustainable heading into the season while they continue to work through getting a deal like i said sounds crazy it's not as crazy as my rondo theory in the last episode but (laughs) who knows maybe this is where sam castell becomes even more valuable yeah i don't know if he can save it but maybe just be a mediator yeah, yeah, just keep it, keep it, uh, be a neutral third party. There you go. Yeah. Just like, Hey, listen, <laughs> let's not, let's not scream at each other. Let's focus on the game. Yeah, exactly. Let's focus at practice, go to work, go home, play your video games, you know, talk to whoever you want to talk to. And then that's that like, but yeah, I mean, I, I could see Sam Cassell playing that role. The way you talk about it, you make it seem like Sam Cassell is, is just going to change Ben Simmons world. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know about you. I saw the <laughs> same offensive player last year. So it's it just – it. listen, I'll say it a million times. It's a Ben Simmons problem. It he is. doesn't want to change. I, I'm laughing because I, I uh, stumbled across something earlier where uh, a shooting coach in San Antonio wants to work with Ben Simmons. He wants the Spurs to get Ben Simmons because he thinks – because he was able to, I guess, fine tune Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> he can do the same for Ben Simmons. And then you look at Kawhi Leonard's first four or five seasons in the NBA, you look at Ben Simmons and it's like, come on, man. The guy was like jacking up threes without hesitation. His first you know, few seasons, maybe he wasn't super consistent making them, but like, no, actually he was shooting 39%. What the hell am I talking about? Kawhi yeah. Leonard was shooting 39%. Ben Simmons shoots like 15% and he barely takes three. So it's like, 
what when is anyone going to understand it's like you don't need a shooting coach for ben simmons you need someone to like just get him to shoot period right like his jumper his jumper isn't the problem like we've seen him shoot jumpers that look clean he has his fundamentals aren't perfect but he has more than capable fundamentals to shoot league average from beyond the arc we've seen him get hot in warm-ups I've had endless videos on my phone of him hitting five, six in a row from the corner. So it's not that the shooting is the issue. It's the battle between the ears of gaining that, that willingness and that confidence to add it to your arsenal uh, in the game situation. And I mean, I feel like every shooting coach in the league could come out and say they want to work with Ben Simmons. I don't think he really cares. I mean, how many, how many times have we heard this before that, ex-former player or ex-development coach wants to work with Ben Simmons on his jumper. I mean, it's just, it's almost wasted breath at this point. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure any coach wants to work with Ben Simmons at some capacity until you probably actually work with him and realize like, wow, this guy is not trying to, (laughs) he's pretty stubborn. Like I just, like I said before, I said a few episodes, not even probably more than that, but I just said, I think at this point, the Sixers have already kind of given him too much freedom and you can't really take that back. Like you can't Mm -hmm. be like, all right, you know what? We don't want to treat you like the superstar that you aren't like, no, once you treat a player like that, it's like only the next team can establish something different. The Sixers can't just start being like, all right, Ben, you can't have your whole entourage with you at these games. They're not allowed to come. Like, no, like he's going to do whatever he wants. Like he's out there in LA right now working with the same people he's worked with for however many seasons now. And the Sixers have been trying to get him to work with their people for since Brett Brown was in the building and it just doesn't happen. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky situation. And part of that is why, they might need to hit the point of moving on from him because like you said, there there's certain freedoms and there there's treatment there that just can't be taken away. This is a guy you drafted first overall. This is a guy you handed a max rookie scale contract extension. So with all the success that you've seen, even though there's been the shortcomings, you just can't, like you said, you can't just start telling him now after all these years of letting him pretty much do whatever he wants that, oh, we're going to make you start doing X, Y, and Z. And if you don't do this, you're going to do that. Like, it's just not going to work. Right. Yeah. It's just one of those things where you have to get it early. Make sure, make sure you get it early. Make sure that you, you know, not, I guess, force this guy to shoot the ball and be confident. Cause like you said, he can shoot. I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm sick of taking those, uh, those videos. (laughs) (laughs) I have a million of those on my phone just from the last two seasons alone, because it was just, something that people want to see and then it just it just doesn't happen in the game and then when it does happen every once in a while in a game he usually makes it (laughs) so it's like I don't know it just it just it's a strange situation but like I said I don't think this Simmons issue is as big as everyone makes it seem right now I think that it's a very good chance he's still on the team in training camp and I think that it's a, a very good chance that there's really no issues when he returns. It might be a little awkward because of all the rumors and all that in the off season, but I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a big situation. Like everyone's making it seem. Yeah. I feel like if, if he is here at the start of training camp, you might hear some rumblings the first day or two, just because, I mean, listen, it's going to be an awkward situation. 
his news and business were pretty much aired out the entire offseason. It's openly clear that the team is trying to trade him. So there might be some uncomfortableness there. Maybe Ben is not expecting to be a sixer at the start of training camp. But by the end and the start of the season, I feel like with this core being around each other for so long that they'll eventually be able to at least have a functional working relationship. Right. And then hopefully when we discuss this topic again next week, because I mean, the chances of us <laughs> discussing <laughs> the Ben Simmons saga is what we keep calling it. The chances of us discussing it are very high. Hopefully one of these weeks, something changes, but it's the same right now. All we yeah. have right now is that he's probably same teams, same rumors, literally same. Well, not same team. Cause Ray John Tucker is out of here. So, yeah. <laughs> and Anthony Tolliver is pending. So we'll see how that goes. We'll discuss it next week. Thanks for tuning in. Kev, drop your Twitter handle. Kevin MCC NBA. And mine's at jgrasso underscore. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube